0: Episode three. In episode two, we talked to Steve, a recipient, and in this episode, we talked to Richard, a parent passing on family wealth. We discuss his concerns about how his wealth might be used and ways in which he could influence it. And we review his thoughts and sentiments on the next generation's attitude towards money.
1: A warm welcome to our third in the series of MDG podcasts. As a reminder, this initial podcast series is about the estimated £82 million average daily transfer of family wealth and why that might not get to where it was intended.
2: So how's your week been?
1: I took my exam at the start of the week.
2: Is this the one you've been revising for? That's right. So how did it go?
1: Well, given the lockdown rules, it was conducted online and I was observed throughout. Real big brother stuff. How was your week?
2: Not so good. We've received a complaint following last week's podcast from an Arnold Trellis.
1: And who's Arnold Trellis?
2: Well, it seems he's the self-appointed president of the Let's Keep Financial Services Dull and Complicated Society. He's complaining that we're giving away far too much information.
1: Well, we can't deny that, can we?
2: But unfortunately, it gets worse. He's threatening to report us to the regulator.
1: (gasps) Not the Financial Conduct Authority.
2: No, the Magic Circle.
1: Enough. What have we got this week?
2: Well, as promised, we're talking to Richard, a parent and grandparent looking to pass on his wealth to the next generation. But before we speak to Richard, let's have a look at what caught our eye this week.
1: I see that the HMRC...
2: Got you there for using industry jargon, and that would be £5 donation to my charity. Thank you very much.
1: But surely everyone knows that HMRC stands for Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs?
2: Stop wriggling. We agreed that any use of jargon would get a fine. OK,
1: so now we know that HMRC stands for Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, they have just given up on a long-running dispute called the Silver Case.
2: Bear in mind that you might get a fine for being boring. Tell us more.
1: The case is about how income tax is calculated when surrendering investments in a life bond. The defendants had calculated the tax liability in a way that resulted in a much lower tax liability than HMRC calculations. And now they've given up on the case, we can apply the silver method for clients to calculate the tax.
2: Something of a silver lining then. <laughs> but I think a few words about what a life bond is would help at this point. A life bond is an investment vehicle, tax or wrapper, in the same way that an ISA or pension is a tax wrapper. Life bonds have some tax advantages and was the vehicle of choice for many advisors in the 80s and 90s. So there's an awful lot of them out there. So how does that affect our listeners, Nicola?
1: By understanding the correct surrender process of life bonds and how they interact with other income, you can save a lot of tax. So listeners considering surrendering life bond investments, particularly in these difficult times, should check with us first. Thanks
2: Nicola, good advice. Our contact details are on the landing page. So now as promised, let us introduce Richard. Hello Richard, thanks for joining our discussion on family wealth transfers. We understand that you're retired with children and grandchildren that you would like to pass wealth on to, so these podcasts are probably of interest to you.
0: You're welcome. Can you tell me a little more about what you're hoping to achieve with these podcasts?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, Richard. We've been running an independent financial planning service for many years and have clients reaching an age when they are considering passing on their accumulated wealth to the next generation. However, there are many situations where that wealth could be reduced, redirected or dissipated, which are often overlooked.
0: So something of a public service then?
2: well not all altruism but we do feel social responsibility to existing and potential clients as well as those of our professional associates for a better understanding of these issues tell us more about your situation please be assured your anonymity is protected
0: well our assets are broadly split three ways uh, in the family home investments and pension funds
2: are you expected to receive additional assets from your parents
0: Yes, we are the beneficiaries of my wife's and my parents' estates.
2: So, you are what is often referred to as the sandwich generation, having benefits and responsibilities above and below you. I think we should identify what your main concerns are, enjoying a good retirement lifestyle, passing wealth to your children, or the likelihood of paying inheritance tax.
0: All of the above, really. We'd like to see our children enjoying some of our wealth at a time when it would be most useful to them but we don't want to risk our retirement lifestyle to do it and of course we don't want to pay inheritance tax if we could avoid it
2: naturally if you're able to pass on some of your wealth to your children without damaging your own retirement lifestyle it will reduce your eventual inheritance tax and give you the chance of seeing your children enjoy the benefit However, we should not forget that receiving your parents' wealth is likely to add to your tax liability, and we also need to consider what might get in the way of your expectations. I'm not sure what you mean. Well, the way that wills are drafted, and the lack of powers of attorney, will impact on how estates are handled, and at the risk of stating the obvious, parents being older than their children means that they are more likely to need long-term care, and the cost of this care will very quickly diminish what is left to pass on. And how do we tackle that? In the following episodes, we will be talking to leading family lawyers looking at effective estate planning ideas and next week I will be talking about funding long-term care. Additionally, I made an executive decision during our interview with Steve to insert an extra episode after this one looking at the current inheritance tax and gifting rules in more detail to avoid distracting too much from this interview. We know from speaking to Steve last week how difficult it is finding out how parents have arranged their wills, but one thing you might like to consider is to ask them whether they would be prepared to skip your generation and pass their wealth directly to your children. This can give rise to concerns about how this wealth might be used breakdowns of relationships and other considerations and later we will be including an episode on how these transfers can be controlled by using trust and other ideas but it would mean their wealth will not be added to your tax liability. Might get wealth into your children's hands earlier and possibly take some pressure off your own estate planning arrangements.
0: And could anything be done if they died before we could get these changes arranged?
1: Yes, there's the provision to change wills retrospectively but this is often contentious for family and subject to a time limit.
0: Could we just simply reject the inheritance and and let it pass to our children?
1: Yes, you can disclaim your inheritance, but you would not be able to redirect it to your children as it would depend on how your parents' wills have been written. The only sure way is to have their wills amended to make this provision. We know this is not easy, and we said to Steve last week, only around 9% of parents discuss their estate planning with children, and they would need to have the ability to understand this. You mentioned that in your assets, you have pension funds.
0: Yes, there's a considerable amount in my personal pension and my wife has an occupational pension too.
1: Are you aware that your personal pension wealth is not included in your estate for inheritance tax?
0: So I understand, but how does it work?
1: Under pension legislation, you can ask the pension provider to consider your nomination on who you would like to receive capital or income. This is normally arranged as an expression of wishes but we need to be careful that this is a nomination rather than an instruction as a nomination allows the pension provider to use their discretion and it is their discretion that keeps the pension fund from being included in your estate for inheritance tax. Simple as that? No. Not all pension providers are able to accommodate sophisticated nominations. Where there are no instructions, the provider will look to the will for guidance. But this is likely to cause delays. In a later interview we will be talking to a major pension provider looking in more detail at how pensions can be used for effective estate planning incidentally nominations can be changed later if family circumstances change
0: so does all this mean that both parents have to die before their children and grandchildren can receive any of their wealth
1: not at all but we want to avoid going into too much depth on this and peter has added an episode after our interview but i would like to make some comments about gifting to expel a commonly held belief that simply transferring ownership makes the asset outside the donor's estate. The key point to remember when considering making gifts is that you need to be sure that once wealth has been transferred, you can no longer have the benefit from it.
0: Not sure what you mean by that, Nicola.
1: Okay, let's assume that you have a country cottage that you would like to gift your children. It would not be wise to transfer the cottage into their names and then continue using it for holidays and weekends as though nothing had changed. And why not? Well, this would be regarded as a gift with reservation of benefits.
2: Sorry, Nicola, that's technical jargon and just earn my charity another five pound thank you
1: okay let me explain in more detail to give an asset away as a gift and to continue having the benefit of ownership would mean that it would still be counted in the estate for taxation on your death but how would anybody know when arranging probate for an estate there is a form that needs to be completed and signed by the deceased personal representatives detailing all the gifts and where the benefits have been reserved. Making a false declaration would be regarded as a criminal offence and if children have been appointed in the will as personal representatives, as they often are, this would be a very unwelcome legacy.
0: So when making gifts, what are the rules?
1: We have provided an overview on the landing page, but essentially they fall into the following categories. One, gifts exempt from inheritance tax when made, Two, gifts that are potentially exempt from inheritance tax, called potentially exempt transfers, commonly referred to as pets. Three, gifts returned to the estate because they failed to survive the seven-year exemption period. Four, gifts that form a chargeable lifetime transfer.
2: Got to stop you there Nicola. Oh, please do. Chargeable lifetime transfer is jargon.
1: (laughs) Okay, it meant a gift going into a trust and mentioned in episode two with Steve, Pete decided to insert an additional episode looking at these categories in more detail. But, to finish my list, five, gifts from income, that is in excess of normal expenditure.
2: Yes, Gildy is charged about introducing the additional episode, but as podcast I listened to on the move wanted to avoid lengthy and involved explanations, so thought it better to separate this detail out of the interview with Richard.
0: Okay, I can understand that, but I would like to pick up on the last point in Nicola's category of gifts, the one about making gifts from excess income over normal expenses. How does that work?
2: Okay, so the original rules on gifts out of excess income are in the 1984 Inheritance Tax Act, and whilst we expect these to be changed at some point, we will continue to use the provisions of this Act. These gifting rules were further qualified by in a. La-
1: it's in catching. Words.
2: These gifting rules were further qualified in a landmark case. I won't go into too much detail, as I know Nicola is looking to find me for either being boring or too technical. But in these podcasts, we are looking at wealth transfers from the baby boomer generation. As Steve said last week, many of these generations have gold-plated final salary pensions, where the pension could exceed the cost of living in later years. This excess income can be passed on.
0: How is this excess proven?
2: You remember earlier we mentioned the form used when assessing the value of the estate. Well, this test is in that form if you know where to look. Our client records on income and expenditure are usually enough to satisfy this requirement. The big advantage of this type of gifting is that it is not subject to the 7-year taper relief rule, so outside of the estate immediately.
0: Can you explain that, please?
2: Yes. In this week's case notes, we have chosen a case where this approach was used. So stay tuned and we will go through it.
0: Now, in your interview with Steve in episode two, you mentioned making gifts while we are young enough to see our children and grandchildren enjoy the benefits. But how do we know what we can afford to give away and what we need to retain for our own future welfare? I'm bearing in mind that you said gifts should be given outright. And Steve said... That from his perspective, he wanted to be assured that his parents' lifestyle and comforts would not be sacrificed by passing on their wealth.
2: Timing is usually the issue. We want to see the children enjoy the wealth that you pass on to them but would like to be assured it will not leave you short for your own needs in the future. We handle a lot of estate planning cases and the answer is financial forecasts to see what you can give away and what needs to be kept. Seeing whether you could pass on some or all of your pension funds is a case in point. We have provided more information on cash flow forecasting on the landing page under resources.
0: You mentioned earlier about gifting but retaining control. How does that work?
2: This is about using trust where you, as the settler, are the trustee along with your wife and you would then appoint additional trustees to work alongside you. To avoid a fine let me explain what a trustee is, exactly as the name implies, someone who can be trusted to look after the settlement as though it were their own but generally without the benefit of owning it. Trust and their taxation is a complex subject and we will go into that in more detail in a later episode, along with other ways of reserving control. But before considering using trust, we will want to explore other important areas such as how the wheels have been written, looking at cash flow forecasting to test what can be given away, and using the exempt gifting provisions and holdover reliefs.
1: As you know, your amminent <laughs> – oh, I said it the first time as you know your anonymity is assured but we wonder if we could prove through cash flow forecasting that you would be able to make gifts to your children whether you would have any reservations about how the money would be used
0: well i think this is probably an area which will very much depend on the personal relationships within the family's generations i can envisage situations where parents might have concerns about how their gifts are used but in our family I think my wife and I would both be happy to leave that to our children to decide. They're adults after all, and imposing restrictions on what they choose to do with any gifts seems very controlling. However, if we made substantial gifts to our grandchildren, well, that might need a bit more thought.
2: That's great, thank you, Richard. Any questions that you'd like to ask us?
0: Well, what I think I've learned today is that there are plenty of opportunities to manage intergenerational transfers with a bit of financial planning in advance but what if the unexpected happens to either my wife and me or to our children is it easy to unpick these plans
2: yeah it's a very good point um, looking at the areas where you would try and have some control uh, would be in the wills and how the wills would actually direct the wealth and the wills can be changed or they can be modified by codicils, seals and often they can be revised by letters added to the will Another situation would be uh, using trust. The trust can be dissolved in in many various ways. Uh, So that would uh, get around that problem. And we mentioned earlier about pensions. So if you were to redirect pensions, you can actually do that by changing expression of wish. The big issue here, I think, Richard, is that we need to maintain regular contacts with our clients and update the situation through regular reviews. Okay. Can we summarise, please?
1: Certainly. Here are the key points.
2: One, if considering asking your parents to skip your generation and pass their wealth to your grandchildren, they should change their wills to accommodate this. You disclaiming your inheritance is not enough to ensure that it will bypass you and go to them.
1: Two, only use post-death arrangements, known as deeds of variation, if all else fails.
2: Three, in our first podcast, we mentioned why we think it will be easier for those not receiving an inheritance to claim compensation. So make sure you avoid that trap.
1: Four, make sure of mental capacity before attempting to rewrite wills. We have an episode on... Oh, God. We had... (laughs) We have an episode on capacity and powers of attorney later in episode 7.
2: Yeah, talking about capacity, I see that I've, <laughs> I see that I've left off who does five, so i do five and six. Five, do not make gifts if you are not sure that you might need access later. See our cash flow forecasting on this week's landing page. And six, do not give away assets and continue to enjoy the benefits of them. You will be setting up those responsible for probate to face the music.
1: 7 use the exempt gifting out of excess income provisions if not sure have us carry out a cash flow forecasting
2: 8 use trust if you need to have control we have covered this and other methods of control in later episode
1: 9 be aware of any changes in legislation and case precedents. we include these in our regular what caught our eye this week features
2: 10 Pensions are an effective way of transferring and sheltering wealth. And we have an interview with a leading national provider on this in episode 11.
1: 11. Revisit wills regularly to include the changes in circumstances and legislation. In episode 5, we discuss this with Ian Wonstall.
2: Many thanks, Richard, for your involvement. Has it been worthwhile? And have you any questions?
1: Thank you, Peter. It's been great. Uh, My wife
0: and I are just starting out on our post-working life and we're hoping to enjoy many years of secure and healthy retirement. But it's probably the first time we've seriously addressed the issues of our own and our elderly parents' ultimate and inevitable demise. And it's reassuring to know that there are experts like you and Nicola around to help us make the best decisions. So thanks again.
2: That's very kind of you, Richard.
1: Okay, so now it's time for our case notes feature.
2: Look at a case that we worked on with a family law firm involving estate planning and, appropriately for this episode, gifts out of excess income. The client was divorced, so we only had his new rate banned available. <laughs>
1: Got you. That will be £5 pound for the Chiltern MS Society.
2: Yeah, it's a fair cop. I was forgetting that we don't cover this until the next episode when we look at inheritance tax and gifting rules. But briefly, the New rate band is that part of the estate on which the inheritance tax is not applied, now made more complicated by the introduction of the residential New rate band. But as I said, we will look at this in our next additional episode.
1: So, getting back to the case notes, and don't forget, we agreed I can find you for any long and rambling anecdotes.
2: Yes, thanks. This case was before the introduction of the residential new rate band, and as a divorcee, the new rate band at that time was around 300000 and the house value alone was more than that. As always, thorough fact-finding with the client revealed that he had a gold-plated pension from his career as a civil servant, as well as a healthy income from his investment portfolio. By undertaking our cash flow forecasting, we tested his ability to give away his civil service pension income, allowing him to live on his investments. We stress tested the extent to which he would rely on his investment income. He had a son and heir, but he was very uncertain about the son's marriage and did not want his gifts ending up funding any divorce maintenance.
1: As we said to Richard, Regular gifts out of excess income is outside the estate as soon as it's given. In this case, the pension income was considerably greater than the 3000 annual exempt allowance, but we also made use of that. Because of the concerns about the son's marriage, we set up a trust to receive these transfers. As a trust, His son did not own the asset and therefore could not be included in any settlement. We suggested a younger trustee would also work well alongside the client.
2: We could have used the excess income from the investments, but it was simpler to use the pension. So what was the upshot then, Nicola?
1: We reviewed the position regularly, and were able to vary the value of these gifts to balance the varying income from the investments. Over time, we created a sizable trust fund controlled by the trustees that was immediately outside the estate for inheritance tax assessment and not affected by the seven-year taper relief rules, also kept away from any divorce. In fact, in this case, the trustees directed some of the trust fund for his grandson's education. The downside was that the gifted pension income was after the client had paid income tax, but if he had allowed the excess income to accumulate, this would have added to his inheritance tax liability. Additionally, what he really enjoyed was the opportunity to see his grandson privately educated.
2: Let me wind up this episode by thanking Richard for his involvement. Please look at the landing page for the link to our website to see information on our cash flow forecasting.
1: Yes, thank you very much, Richard. Next week we have the supplementary episode on inheritance tax and gifting followed by me interviewing you Pete on how long-term care charges can reduce family wealth transfers, how can it be funded and some ideas on how to reduce these costs.
2: As we said at the start of the episode not all of the daily average of 82 million pounds of family wealth transfer over the next 10 years will get to where it was intended. We look forward to you joining us on the next podcast. And please, uh, I'm breaking these teeth in for the dog. We look forward to you joining us on our next podcast. And please let us have your feedback.